Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 3rd, and we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XIX, the second paragraph that begins, As We Discovered. Uh, today's readers are Amy W., uh, Philomena, Du, Rita, Marjorie, and Paula. The reference number for yesterday, uh, Monday, December 2nd, is 5566. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amy W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Amy W., Recovering Compulsive Overeater from California, reading the 12 steps. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to all compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Amy W. I will now ask Philomena to read the 12 traditions. 
Thank you, Kathy, and vision for you, for your service. My name is Philomena, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our primary um, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Philomena, for your service. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we are resuming our study of the big book on page XIX, the first full paragraph that begins, As We Discovered the Principles. Um, let's see. Um, I will now ask Du to begin our reading. Good morning. This is Du, recovering compulsive overeater um, from New York. Good morning. A vision for you. It says, as we discover the principles by which the individual alcoholic can live, 
So we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. It was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society, that our leaders might serve but never govern, that each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. There were to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. There was to be at least the least possible organization, even in our service centers. Our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all the members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films. And in no circumstances should we give endorsements, make alliances, or enter public controversies. Wow, this is so awesome because if you take the whole paragraph, it's breaking down each and every tradition there is from tradition two all the way to tradition eleven um and i'll I'll let the group develop that but the the par- the um sentence that I want to concentrate on is is uh, is the first one it says as we discover the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the a a groups in a a as a whole could survive and function effectively. And, you know, what I see here is two things. Um, One, it's explaining that as we discover the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, that is actually talking about the 12 steps. And the 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in nature, which is practiced as a way of life and can expel the obsession of drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. So that in itself is a personal um, thing when we do the 12 steps. Um, It's personal in nature. It develops a relationship with God. It develops a relationship with ourselves. And it develops a relationship with others. And so individually, we do this 12 steps. But then it says, so we had to evolve principles by which AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. And that's where we see the, the 12 traditions that apply to the life and the fellowship itself. They outline a means of AA's main, um, that maintains its unity and it regulates itself to the world about it and the way it lives and it grows. So in other words, one fellowship, one body, working together in unity. And I, and I think about a body, right? Um, we have different functions in a body. We have the eyes that see, the ears that hear, the mouth that speaks, the hands that pick up certain things, the feet that walk. You know, each in, in, um, in the body, we have different functions, different ways of expressing ourselves, different ways of doing things. And I think that if we come individually and we work on these principles, they're spiritual in nature, and we work on uh, improving our spirituality with God, with ourselves, with other people, then when we come into the body to work effectively with groups and with other people and other individuals, then we become a very strong body, um, an effective body. But if we don't work together, then we die, die together, you know, because we are one body, one body. Um, and so 
I, I just love this because it, it talks about how these traditions were developed so that we can work effectively together, that we can function effectively together. And I love the fact that we can all bring our different experiences, our different functions, our different ways of doing things. And these traditions were developed to keep the body together, to keep everything functioning in a way where it, it, it's the most effective and it keeps unity and, and it develops a healthy relationship. And I think about, you know, even with our disease of um, compulsive overeating where it affects the mind and it affects the body. And so these traditions help help in in keeping a healthy mind and a healthy body, you know, as a whole to keep it working effectively. And that's what I see and with that I pass. Thank you, Du. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Katie. Okay, Katie, go ahead. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And I just love this paragraph because as um, uh, she said, we... um, it incorporates all of the traditions and, you know, it keeps us from becoming egomaniacs and um, in charge. Uh, No one is in charge of my meeting, of this meeting. You know, I have a regular home meeting in my, uh, where I live and then I have uh, this meeting and there are no leaders. Um, It keeps us constantly focused back to God and to uh, to the steps and traditions of this program, and you know, it was a. This is uh, the second edition, and I'm not very good at the numbers. Um, this is the second edition, so this was in 1955. So this is um, 16 years later. So in those 16 years, they ran into all these problems. Um, of people wanting to go off in these different factions and different um, ways of doing it, you know, hiring a therapist to come in and, and, and lead the group or, you know, someone making a huge donation to them. They thought they, you know, had a bigger right to um, what was going on than the person who was homeless who wandered into the meeting. So I love the leveling that um, these these sentences, which are the traditions, uh, give us that it doesn't matter if you uh, have a PhD or an eighth grade education, you're welcome in these rooms. It doesn't matter if you've been sober for, you know, five minutes or 50 years, you're welcome in these rooms at the same level that we are all just seeking to learn and to grow and to, um, to seek our higher purpose that God has for us as you know, sober, abstinent human beings, that we we are just trying to do the next right things in our lives. And, you know, we're people that do not handle stress well. So if it wasn't like this, you know, if I wasn't uh, allowed to say, I don't know, and, you know, I have limits on what the amount of service I can do, and I have limits on the amount of number of people that I can sponsor because I am not a paid professional. This is not my job. I have a life. And, 
you know, these traditions are what make that possible, that we can um, can be a worker among workers, that we are just one of many, that we are not leaders, we are not uh, experts. We are just recovering one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to share in this paragraph? This is Kim. Leia. Okay, Kim and then Leia. Thank you. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. It says, AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. That's a, that's a powerful question I think we need to ask ourselves at our fellowship and at our meetings. And You know, I heard this um, just a little cute saying. It says that the steps are our ways to prevent suicide. The traditions are our way to prevent homicide. And our concepts are a way to prevent genocide. So the steps are our personal program of recovery so we don't kill ourselves. But these traditions is those principles around us so we don't kill each other. It gives us these guidelines. And the guidelines to me all center around that fifth tradition. And I love how we say that at the beginning of the meeting, that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. And what is that message? That message is the 12 steps. That message is that you can recover from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So I challenge everyone out there to look at their meetings. I mean, I go to some meetings, and I, if you didn't hear the 12 steps right at the beginning of the meeting, you wouldn't even know it was an OA meeting. You would have thought it was a marriage counseling session, or it was a children counseling session, or it was a Dear Abby article brought to life. Are we carrying that message? And I have to say, my home group, we really are working on that. We're, we, when we have our business meetings after intergroup, we look at, you know, we've added um, the OA pledge at the end of our meetings instead of saying, keep coming back, it works if you work it. We're now saying what the pledge is of OA to extend our hand and heart to those who still suffer. This Sunday we're having a meeting because we're starting to get newcomers. As the message is getting stronger, we're getting consistent newcomers. So we want to get a newcomer format together. And what we've been doing is we've been centering it around the doctor's opinion. We want to give support to those who stay after. Uh, let's just get a format together of how we carry this message. We voted to give free big books to everyone who was new. That the money that we, we collect in the seven traditions, the best way to carry this message is to give that newcomer a book. And whether they return or not, we know they have the message with them. And if they don't op open it up that week, maybe in a year, maybe in two years, they'll have that book. So how can we function effectively means how can we carry this message effectively? How can I not do it only on an individual basis, but how are we doing it in our meetings? And I think that's so important for us to look at. Go back to our home groups. Sit there and really pray and get in touch with your higher power. Is my meeting carrying the message or is my meeting carrying the mess? And if you are recovered, to make sure that you're going in there and you're carrying that message and helping that meeting to become healthier and healthier. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Leia? Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. 
It says, as we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. And, of course, they're referring to the traditions. You know, we've been studying this brief overview of the history, and, you know, there was a lot going on in the previous paragraph uh, it's described as a frightening and at first disrupting, you know, experience um, that they had to either hang together or die separately. I mean, that is, you know, that is our truth. <laughs> uh, that's my truth. You know, if there's no you, there's no me. Um, and it, it was out of this welter of explosive experience that these AA traditions took form. Um, just like, you know, in the... 12 steps, my individual personal uh, development with a higher power greater than myself, it's made up of sacrifices. You know, essentially I have to sacrifice my ego along that, that path of the 12 steps. It's the same thing for the traditions. You know, we give up our personal desires. These 12 traditions, um, which are highlighted here, are a list of sacrifices that we must make individually as well as collectively as a group if we're going to stay alive, if we're going to survive and be healthy. You know, so thank God these traditions were born out of a painful experience, and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, it was very clear that united we stand and divided we will fail. And, you know, division means um, death for people like you and I. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful that uh, these principles had been hammered out out of their pain and their experience um, principles such as unity, trust, identity, autonomy, purpose, solidarity, responsibility, structure, neutrality, spirituality, an anonymity, and solidarity all ensure, you know, that, that we continue to stay strong, um, you know, Please, God, that each of us be individually, spiritually led and, you know, remember that the highest rank in the program of recovery is servant. <laughs> we're, we're all here, hopefully, uh, especially those that are recovered, um, to offer compassionate love and service, to, to be helpful, you know, and these traditions allow us uh, to be a healthy, high-functioning group. These, these traditions that were hammered out by our history, they're neither rules, regulations, or laws, really. We obey them individually and collectively and willingly because we ought to and because we want to. We want to obey them. We want to surrender. We want to be submissive to a higher authority. Um, each of us individually hopefully craves that um, attachment to that higher authority, to that God of our understanding. So perhaps the secret of these traditions' power lies in the fact that they are life-giving communications, they're life-giving guidelines and principles that have sprung out of living experience of our AA history, and they are rooted 
in love. They're rooted in love. They're not rooted in power. They're not rooted in ego. They're not rooted in, um, you know, force or governship or, uh, you know, personal success. They're rooted out of humility that our lives have been saved, that we have a solution, that we extend our hands to those who are still suffering, and with love and grace and compassion and understanding and, and the light of, of the Father in heaven, uh, you know, we, we stick together for our lives, individually and collectively. And thank God these were... Uh, created for our benefit today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Penny C? Go ahead, Penny. My turn? Yep. Hi, everybody. It's Penny C. from Boston, a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I, I've read an article by Bill W. in 1940. 46 in the grapevine, the, the Journal of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, and where he talks about that it's time to start thinking about how we're going to keep this, this, these alcoholics who are recovered, how are we going to keep them unified and how are we going to, you know, preserve what we have out of our rich experience. And he says that um, our most challenging concern now, this is 1946, seven years after the big book was published. Our most challenging concern has become the future of Alcoholics Anonymous, how to preserve among us AAs such a, among us AAs such a powerful unity that neither weakness of persons nor the strain and strife of these troubled times can harm our common cause. We know that Alcoholics Anonymous must continue to live, else, save for few exceptions, we and our fellow alcoholics throughout the world will surely resume the hopeless journey to oblivion. You know, so already they saw that, you know, that this is not an organization like other organizations. You know, I, I've had the experience where, you know, we decided to to join a national organization, and um, we we had to produce our own bylaws, and so we you know we we went about that task, researching other bylaws and making sure that they said what what we wanted them to say, but not such the not this was not the case with AA when. Dr. Bob and and Bill first met, you know, they didn't soon after that say, now we've got to sit down and we've got to write all the rules. They just grew. They grew out of experience. And and it just, it happened slowly. And as we like to say, all in God's time, all in God's time, not in the time of people who might have, might, might have wanted to be promoters, um, People that that thought that you know we shouldn't even tell anybody we should still keep the word alcohol, alcoholics and alcoholism, you know hush hush, but it just grew the way God wanted it to. Just divine providence led led these people to form these organizations, and you know thank God for the traditions. It keep I I've seen so many times as others have 
that it keeps meetings grounded. It keeps us unified. It keeps us, you know, from becoming, you know, um, promoters and, and just living as God would want us to live and allowing our recovery to be the attraction. Thank you for your service, Kathy. I pass. Thank you, Penny. Uh, let's move on to the next paragraph, and I'd like to ask Marita to lead, read this, please. All righty. Um, good morning, Vision for You. This is Marita, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. This was the substance of AA's 12 traditions, which are stated in full on page 561 of this book. Though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held at Cleveland. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. So yeah, this is the forward to the second edition, and this was the first time that they had uh, that, that they had included the traditions in the back of the book. Um, when this was first written, they hadn't uh, figured those things out yet. But they did have these traditions, as it says there, they were voted on in 1950, right before, right before Dr. Bob died. <clears throat> they had a, basically a, a world conference, their first international conference in Cleveland. And one of the things they did was to vote in this uh, to agree that these traditions were part of their code. Not that, you know, anybody can put you in AA jail if you don't follow them, right? Um, Everything here is based on um, agreement and willingness to do this work, not coercion. None of us are ever forced. We are always given this freedom of choice. We can all choose life in a useful, happy, joyous life, or oblivion and misery and uh, dismal waiting to die that that characterized my uh, experience in the disease. So um, I love that they lay this thing out in such a clear, simple, structured way. and I, and I love that they do uh, reiterate the, the first tradition there at the end of this paragraph, the unity of AA as one of the greatest aspects for our society. And really, this is, this is a sacred truth for, uh, that, that, that you'll see um, as a thread throughout all world religions. There's this, this, this deep wisdom that... AA is also able to give us, which is that we are all one. Ultimately, we are. When I look at you, I see myself. That's what we're trying to get to. Um, Enlightened self-interest in the sense that, um, you know, this weekend we had company over. We played Monopoly uh, after Thanksgiving dinner. And um, I used to be a real competitive at this game, um, and uh, I think probably, uh, you know, a lot of fun to play with because I was so um, animated and, and, and sort of torturous to other players, but 
this game, this time, I wanted everybody to win. <laughs> I couldn't. Um, I wanted people, when they landed on the property, I tried to talk them into buying it. I just wasn't able to be um, simply self-interested anymore. And I don't know if that's a problem for my future gaming opportunities, but but I do notice there's a change in me. I want I want all of us to be happy and to share and enjoy this life together. And I do believe this program is what's allowing me to feel that way. Thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Marita. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for your service. This will be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. I'm going to scoop on right down to today. That's how it begins. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. begins with today, and then it goes on to remarkable Worthy of remark, conspicuous, unusual, extraordinary. Look at what has come together here. And that is the way it's described. We have wounded, damaged, hurt alcoholics that lives have been transformed from taking to giving. Oh, I will say that is quite a remarkable group you have. And yet, unity. The unity is in their wounds together and their recovery and recovered they are is one of the greatest assets. Now look at that. Who would ever think? Started again in is with God that our society has. I cannot imagine life without AA, what it has given not to a few, but to many. And I include myself among them. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Does anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Ved. I'm sorry, who is that? This is Sally. Vered. Oh, Vered. Okay, Vered and then Mm -hmm. Sally. Hi, this is Vera, the Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, These principles, they become so widely accepted. And when I think about that, you know, in the world, in in our days, so many things are, you know, are fought about, people argue, and this this is such a sign that this is a, that the traditions are God's gifts. Uh, if we look at the previous paragraph on the third word, discovered, they didn't create the traditions. They discovered them. Uh, the, the traditions were granted by God. And therefore, they were so easily, widely accepted. And I must say, I'm so thankful because when I think about my disease, Thank God I'm recovered, but the roots of my I'm not cured, and the roots of my disease are selfishness, self-seeking, just this me, myself, and I, the need to be right, the need to control, and the need to play God. And here I, I'm supposed to surrender if I want to really stay recovered. 
if I want to be in recovery, if I want to seek God. And I can allow myself to surrender when I know that it was a God gift. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Varen. Sally? Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. So, again, we have this wonderful painting being drawn by the, the writers of this very precious book to all of us. <clears throat> and it starts at the bottom of X, the I, 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 the, um, the actual watercolors are laid down. When it starts with these descriptions that lead us to these traditions, it, it tells us that this is the society entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. Don't those words just paint a picture? Um, because we all, anyone who's raised an adolescent, um, recognizes that those are some really difficult years. And it goes on to use the word erstwhile, formally erratic, unpredictable, wandering, having no fixed uh, course. And so we've, we've got this, this description being painted to us of the, of the membership of these people, quarreling and striving and to the top of the page. Of, they, they use the words frightening and at first disrupting experience. And so you get this picture of these people who have been in their cups and, be, and are completely socially inept, um, socially dysfunctional, they have not been members of society. They've been isolative, just like us. They've been isolative, and they've been self-centered to the, to the core. And so now you put together this group of these people and pull them together and tell them, okay, we need to unify. You know, there's no I in, in team. We need to be a team. And, of course, that would be frightening because they don't have the social skills to bring this together. And so these wonderful pioneers of AA provided for our longevity, for the longevity of all the addicts, whatever their addiction, they pulled together principles, traditions, and they laid them down. And it's amazing to me that the top paragraph, the last line of this page, it says we had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. And then at the very bottom here, the last paragraph, line of the paragraph that we're reading today the remarkable unity it's all about our ability to unify to be in unity a very important quality for a group of people to come together and to be a team we need each other we need to be a team and so the traditions thanks for letting me share thank you sally would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Okay, Marjorie, would you read the next paragraph, please? Good morning. This is Marjorie. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. While the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. For this, there were two principal reasons, the large numbers of recoveries and reunited homes. These made their impressions everywhere. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 
25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. Other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. But great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as time passed. One of the things that I often hear in um, in Overeaters Anonymous is the low percentage of recoveries, those who get sober, abstinent at once, and remain that way is somewhat larger than those who sober get abstinent after relapses and so on. And what I've looked at is over time from when the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous officially began in the 1970s, what is the percentage of people who actually have been helped without considering the fact of whether they stayed helped, whether they recovered, or whether they just improved? If there were not a 12-step program for compulsive overeaters like me, there would have been zero at least there's some. So the surface has been scratched, and there's a phenomenon that exists nowadays that did not exist for me or for anybody else before the 1970s. This book came out before I was born, but it was during my lifetime that this began to be applied in new ways. So this is a pretty new thing altogether. And what I still find is that there are people who have, I've known for years and years and years, who are still coming back. That gives me a great deal of hope. When I came back time and time again, from my relapses, there was nobody ahead of me who'd ever done that. What people were doing was if they lost their abstinence, they just disappeared. And a lot of them died. I think that that we've really improved the condition for compulsive overeaters, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you, Marjorie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Monica. Kim. Okay, Monica and then Kim. Thank you. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And when I read this paragraph with my sponsor, my big book sponsor, I found a lot of hope in this paragraph. You know, lots and lots of people were getting recovered and this was a big thing for the growth of AA back then. What was happening was alcoholics, dredges of society, bottom gutter drunks were getting better. They were putting the liquor down. They were getting better. They were getting their jobs back. They were getting their families reunited. You know, so much hope. 
Because before that, there was absolutely no hope for alcoholics. You were either going to die, end up in an asylum, or jail. Pretty bleak. But what really gave me a lot of hope was, was the percentages here. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. So right off the bat there, we have a 75% success rate here. And why is that? It's because they were using the big book for their directions to recovery. They were working the steps as laid out in the big book to recover. And they found recovery by doing that. And then it goes on to say, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. And when I started this process four years ago with a big book sponsor, I was in that bottom 25%. So it gave me hope that I wasn't a complete loser with an L on my forehead and that there was hope. And on looking back, yes, there had been many improvements with my disease, but I was not recovered. And so it gave me a lot of hope. But I wanted to really stress that those high percentage rates back then was because they used the big book. They followed the instructions. And as AA and OA sees now, our numbers are not anywhere near here because we've gotten away from the big book as our directions. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica. Kim? This is Thank Helena. Okay, we're going to hear from Kim and then Helena. Good morning again, everyone. I just want to reiterate what um, what Monica was talking about because, you know, what was happening in 1955? You know, because if you talk to people in AA today, they can't claim 75%. You know, some people I talked to, they can't even claim 15 or 20%. I know from my experience in OA and from when I've talked to people that have traveled this country carrying this message in OA, we can claim 3 or 4%. So what was going on? You know, we talked earlier about when we want to do these steps, we have to duplicate this process for ourselves to get it recovered. What do we need to duplicate as a fellowship as to what they were doing in 1955? You know, there are two AAs. There are two OAs. There's the fellowship and there's the program of recovery, which is in the first 164 pages. In 1955, when you went into a meeting, there was very little difference between the fellowship and the program of recovery. When you went into a meeting, you heard the big book. When you went into a meeting, you heard clear-cut directions on how to work these steps. Is that what we hear today in OA? I know for me, my program for many years was a bunch of slogans. Keep coming back, it works if you work it, but no one told me what it was. Stay around till the miracle happens, but no one told me how to get that miracle. One day at a time, which gave me the excuse to pick up today because I can start tomorrow. You know, whoever wakes up earliest has the most abstinence, so that way I would stay up late binging, but I would get up at 5.30 in the morning and feel like I was okay. Put the plug in the jug, jug do a 90 and 90. If I could just put the plug in the jug and I could just do a 90 and 90, I'm not a compulsive overeater. That's why it's essential we study 
they are the solution. Find out the difference between a moderate eater, a hard eater, and a compulsive overeater. Because if we are a true alcoholic, our only hope is these steps. And in 1955, when you came into a meeting, that's what you heard. You heard that you have a hopeless state of mind and body unless you do these steps and let's show you how. Do we do that today? You know, when I decided I needed to go to some AA meetings because my OA meetings were carrying mostly the mess and not the message, I found there were 250 AA meetings in my area. And they did a drop-down menu, and there were only five big book meetings. So this is not something our fellowship is just struggling with. It's something that 12-step fellowships are struggling with. The most common format in AA is an open discussion. So a lot of times you come into a meeting and they say, does anyone have a topic? Yeah, I'm getting a divorce. And everyone will talk about their divorces. So we come into a meeting and, and somebody wants to talk about how their kid's bothering them and then the whole entire meeting is that their kid is bothering them? Are we offering hope? So I think it's important for us to look at that. If they had a 75% recovery rate, why was that? And it's telling us in, the, from, in this paragraph the large number of recoveries in reunited homes. The people were recovering, meaning they were staying sober, and they were reuniting with their families because they were working these principles in all their affairs and they were living a life of freedom. They weren't living a life of bondage of sobriety, which is what I lived for many years. I lived in bondage of my food plan. I stared at my food plan and thought that would keep me well and all it did was make me crazy. So we need to get back to that in OA. We need, or actually we need to go towards that and AA needs to get back to that. What... Why was this at that time? That's a question we can all ask, and I have to tell you, it's a question we can all answer. I go to an AA meeting and they say, the purpose of this meeting is to look at the program we are currently working, compare it with the program of recovery in the big book, and make adjustments where necessary. And I pray to do that every single day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Helena? Good morning. This is Helena, recovered in South Jersey. Um, I have read this paragraph over and over and over uh, since first learning about the precise directions in here. Of those who came in and really tried, worked the steps, followed the precise directions, we have a 75% recovery rate, and those who stay on and continue to work the steps show improvement. But the other part that I love is that those who came in and really tried, uh, sorry, the, the principal reasons for the public acceptance of AA is that there's large numbers of recoveries from compulsive, from compulsive overeating, from alcoholism, and there are reunited homes. And my experience has been in my OA meetings that if the focus is not on getting rid of selfishness, if there is not a recognition that selfishness and self-centeredness are the root of our troubles and that they will kill us, then a home cannot be reunited. Um, I, have, I myself have experienced this, having been married to a compulsive overeater who, when he found abstinence, um, took off. And so reunited homes, this is the opposite of what the world tells us. You know, I've got a thin body now, 
I don't need this old man that I've had all this time. I've got a thin body now. Women find me attractive. Let me get out of here. This is just a continuation of selfishness and self-centeredness. The fact that we have reunited homes is a wonderful indication that we truly are putting selfishness and self-centeredness behind us. In working with others, it's very clear uh, in the chapter, Working with Others, it's very clear that it says that we must continue to be sober and sane and quiet, no matter what anyone else does or says. And then it does say in many situations, in many homes, this is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done. It's giving us, we must start to put into practice the selfishness and the self-centeredness. We must get rid of that and start putting the opposite of that into practice in our homes and in our families. And in that way, there will be reunited homes as a result of working the steps. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Well, this is Kathy, and I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today. I'm very grateful um, to be listening to all of you today. Um, I just want to share an overall reaction to these three paragraphs that we studied today. Uh, I'm in awe of what the founders and the first 100 and those after them discovered as they implemented the steps of recovery. Um, These traditions uh, really have created uh, a special place for all of us afflicted by selfishness and self-centeredness can um, come to recover. And uh, it's really quite a miracle and a gift from God. Um, And as we read today, I realized this is such a great feat. It's not something that would be possible um, by humans alone. Um, It's very clear that this was divinely inspired, and I continue to be so grateful to be a part of the um, fellowship and the program. And with that, I pass. We have time for one more share. This is Haya. Go ahead, Haya. Thank you. Hi, everybody. This is Haya Recovered, very grateful Recovered Compulsive Eater, bulimic in Dallas, Texas, on her way to Denver. Um, you know, this is such a hopeful paragraph, everything that we read today, and I want to welcome anyone who's new and say that you can be part of that 50%, you know. Um, and my experience, you know, being in OA, like so many of us, where the message was unfortunately watered down. It just, it just, that's just a fact. It's just the way it is. It's not putting anyone down. It's not it's not to be critical. It's just, it's just a fact. And, um, you know, if I want to make a cake exactly, you know, and I want to produce the cake that, that's in a cookbook, I need to follow the directions that's in the cookbook if I want to get, you know, even, even close to what that cake is uh, going to be like. I need to follow the directions. I need to put the, the, the precise measurements, allocate for altitude. I need to get the right ingredients. I need to do and follow the instructions, and then I can expect to get something that looks like the cake that's in the book. But if I don't follow those directions, if I just kind of make up my own thing or I throw in this or that, I'm not going to get that cake. It might be okay, but I'm not going to get 
what I'm looking for. And I'm looking for something very, very specific here. I, I'll speak for me. I was looking for something very, very specific here. I wanted and needed desperately to recover from this hopeless state of mind and body. I had physically recovered from the body part. It was the mind that was really not uh, doing so well because I wasn't living according to these principles because these were not the principles that were being shared um, in the meetings. And, and so the, what I love and what can give anyone who's on this line hope today is if you're on this line, you have tapped in to a meeting that is dedicated dedicated this is the whole purpose of this meeting is to carry this very message show you the precise instructions to get the desired results if you just want to you know lose some weight so that you can look good for the wedding or the cruise it probably isn't going to be for you but if you want to recover from a hopeless state of mind and body and live a joyous effective life with a way with with a way that works we have something that works for you here. And it's in that book, and that's why we study it every morning. And I'm very, very grateful to have tapped into this meeting, which has allowed me to tap into the power greater than myself. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Chaya. Thank you to everyone who has shared today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, will you please read a vision for you? Yes, this is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.